Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, we're going to have a quick homily about what I learned about the sovereignty of God. Tell someone next to you the sovereignty of God. What I mean by the sovereignty of God is how God works based on Romans 8:28 for our good and for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose and even the greater good. That God how somehow even in bleak moments of history in our lives microscopically and macroscopically in history, God always works out everything for the good. Secondly, what I learned about the Greek word for the church is the ecclesia, the glorious, beautiful picture of the church. And I don't mean church like our church 180 or the churches you've experienced in your life, good or bad. I'm talking about the ecclesia that exhibits throughout all time in history and how I saw it clearer at, through the scriptures, but mainly through a very unique story, a prophecy I received from a friend when I was 18 about my future wife. So let's start from reverse. So when I was 18, my friend who just got married He's, he's a Brazilian worship leader. He actually uh, partakes in the Grammys today. Um, and he said to me on, the on a phone conversation, Sam, I just got married. And I'm like, I hate people when they brag on the phone. And he was like, oh, she's beautiful. You can't believe it. I'm like, shut up, bro. <laughs> like, you know, I'm single right now. And he, and he goes to me, and I know you're, you're thinking, 18, come on. But he was like, God is telling me right now that your wife is close. And I'm like, bro, what do you mean close? The Bible says one day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years like one day. Like that's so relative. What do you mean? He goes, no, we need to pray right now because what I get from the Holy Spirit is that you already met your wife. What? Who could she be? And I had ideas. And they were all the wrong ideas. <laughs> Is it in the West Coast? Surely it's in the West Coast. California. California dreaming. You know, but, but uh, you know, and I was like, that means I met my wife, if you believed in the prophecy, already. And I felt nothing. Or like... What Emma Stone says in La La Land, almost, almost nothing at all. And I couldn't believe that you could meet your, the most important person in your life and not feel anything or almost nothing. And I was trying to scan through my brain who she could be. 
And then for a twist of irony, I retold the story to a new friend I met at college in freshman year named Lydia while driving from campus of our school to her home. And I told her what my friend told me. And she said, for the moment of the ages, oh my God, that means you probably already met her and don't know it yet. I said, I know, right? Who could she be? So I met my future wife in the car, not knowing it was in the present. In a loosely parallel case, the Bible talks about the church, a single dominant motif throughout history in the New Testament. Jesus says that the church, the ecclesia, is the bride of Christ. I don't know about you. I experienced pastoring our church, and people go, yeah, let me come to your church. I'm like, we're not special at all. We're like a church. Or the churches you experience, or the experiences you experience about the church. And it's not like you're not all like, I love my church. Our church is the best. Because I experienced churches through my life when I was growing up. And I quite honestly have to tell you, I thought the sermons were boring. Like you think mine probably is right now. And I, when I was a you know, kid, I was like, when will this sermon end? It doesn't apply to me. When are we going to play basketball? When, are, when is Taco Bell coming? Church to me was a very dull place. Church to me was something my parents did. I couldn't understand, as I read the New Testament, why the church is so captivating to Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus gave his life for his bride. That the culmination and the aggregation of redemptive history will be a wedding and a feast. Where Jesus marries the church. I was like, that's crazy. G.K. Chesterton, the spiritual father for C.S. Lewis, says this in his book, Orthodoxy. It's a precursor to mere Christianity. And he says this about his faith journey. It may be, heaven forgive me, that I did not try to be original but I only succeeded in inventing all by myself an inferior copy of the existing tradition of civilized religion. The man from the yacht thought he was the first to find England. I thought I was the first to find Europe. I did try to find a heresy of my own. And when I discovered I had put the last touches to it, I discovered it was orthodoxy. Now this is what he's saying is that the church was so dull to him in his, when he did his catechism or when he did communion or received the Eucharist or when he attended weddings. The church didn't seem like the most exciting place or the most beautiful place. So he sought out heresy or the occult. And Chesterton in his youth went to the Babylonian temples New Age, dabbled in the occult because that seemed more enticing and tempting. And Chesterton says, when he finally came to the place where he found truth, that word orthodoxy, he realized that it was the church all along. He couldn't see the beauty. I can't believe for me that I saw my wife 
for the first time when I was 18 in the campus of college. And I said, hi. And my wife said, hi, my name is Lydia. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> it was literally like Lala and I felt almost nothing. And the tune changed to Errol Smith's song, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. How does it go from feeling nothing to I don't want to miss a thing? I don't want to miss one smile, one kiss. I just want to stay in this moment just like this. Sometimes you miss it. And my suggestion to us, all of us here, in spite of your experiences with the ecclesia throughout your life, if you saw what Jesus saw, and if you really understood what Jesus is saying about the church in eternity, everything you do here, every prayer, every discussion with another brothers and sister, every song you sing will hit different. Because when you go back to Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus says to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail or not overcome it. So two fundamental questions here that I want to just quickly wrap as we end today is why is the church indestructible? Is Jesus simply making a promise that he'll intervene any times? Because if you think throughout history, the church has survived a lot of scandals like Brutal scandals. The Inquisition. That's when they, the Catholic Church burned people for just incorrect, marginal, different doctrine. They burned people alive thinking it would save them while they burn. The Crusades. While we tried to imperialize religion in places that didn't believe. The Salem Witch Trials. People, we, we really went after people that they thought they were practicing witchcraft and they hanged them. Like, if you think about what the church has done in its mistakes, it should have ended by now. But it's still ongoing, still growing, still giving hope. Why is that? So the question then is, think about the nature of what Jesus is saying about this passage. Why the gates of hell will not overcome it. Why he'll build his church on this rock. And I would give you this analogy. I would say that the church is actually not an institution, like we understand it, through a horizontal and vertical lens, like somewhere you go. I would argue that the church is actually an element, like carbon or hydrogen. Because the way you create something that's indestructible, there are only a few elements in the universe that's indestructible. You can destroy hydrogen, carbon. We could split an atom. It's the atomic bomb. Calcium and carbon is really what makes atoms in our bodies how we can exist. But how do you create elements that are indestructible, like gold or platinum? In the periodic table, that's 79 and 78. Platinum's very nerdy. 78 is platinum, 79 is gold. The way gold forms is two neuron stars. That's a star that's a lot more dense than our sun. 
the two neuron stars have to collide and have internal temperatures and pressure so overwhelming that when they collide, gold emerges and is forged. In a similar way, the Bible calls Jesus in the New Testament in the book of Revelation, the morning what? The bright and morning star. Jesus dies, which is, again, a paradox. God who dies has a greater density, greater anything than any other star. And it collides and creates and forges what we know today as the church. The church is not an institution. It is its own element, own atomic element. And it cannot be destroyed, not because of any other reason, but because of its ontological nature. Through Jesus' death, the bright and morning star, he creates something indestructible, something that he will die for and laid and continue to guide. And here are two things, applications that I'd like to leave you today. A lot of people misunderstand the idea of the church, the ecclesia as a whole. And this is the first thing. A lot of people look at the Catholic Church first and says, well, how could the Pope be infallible? You ever thought of that? Because the Pope is not infallible, right? He makes, the Pope made mistakes many, many times in the Dark Ages. We don't understand that the Pope itself is infallible. It means that the infallibility is that God, the Holy Spirit, will always guide the church to the right path. That's the confidence. Not that the human person is infallible. Just like you and me here today, whatever experiences you had in the church, good or bad, if you belong to him, the faith in you, the work of Christ in you, the work he is doing in you and through you is indestructible. You are part of something, you and I are part of something that are that, that's eternal. Think about that for a second. And for many of us gathered here today, we how many people tried to leave the church and you came back? You tried to leave, you want to leave the church, you came back. You keep coming back. Why? There's something that's haunting about it that draws you. Because you're part of something that's eternal. As we close today, I'm going to read you this passage. And we'll end. Will you stand with me? First Peter 3 9. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy. For he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into inheritance that cannot never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power unto the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this, you greatly rejoice. Now, though for a little while, you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that 
Your faith can be proven genuine, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. So what is it about the church that captivates the heart of God that he would die and lay down his life for her? All of us here collectively are the church. Jesus didn't say that the church is a building. Jesus didn't say the church is where you go to. Jesus says where two or three gather, the ecclesia, the community of God, he will be. The promise is among them, working in them and through them. So, what about all the hardships that you've experienced? The, all the pressure and the temperature that pressed our lives, the, the suffering, the trials. So if it takes two massive stars to create an element like gold that's imperishable, it takes something even greater. God is working through the trials, through the pain, through and in the journey to create a new a faith that's imperishable that's even more precious than gold so if you're wondering why am I suffering why this my part of my life not makes sense what is this conflict all about what is this hurt all about the pressure cooker and those temperatures Colliding is creating in you something more precious than platinum or gold. Something that God is fortifying in you. So will you receive that today? Will you lift your hands with me as we pray? And I want to pray that whatever trial you might be facing in your life today, whatever pain, whatever questions or doubts, whatever dots don't make sense in your life today, do you see the ark, the sovereignty of God? How he's refining you and trying to create in you something more valuable than any element in the world. That element is so beautiful that Jesus finds it the most valuable that he marries that bride. So, Lord, we pray today you make sense of the pain, the pressures, the trials of our lives. How you're trying to create in us and through us something more precious than gold. Refine us. Let's make this our prayer. Refiner's fire, purify my heart. Precious silver. And 
Father, we come before you this afternoon. Thank you for giving us an overarching picture. You are willing to lay down your life in history for the ecclesia. Because literally, she's one of a kind. are part of that community that Jesus loves. And so the internal temperatures, the pressures, the trials, the pain, and the journey in our lives, all of it is forging in us something more precious than diamond, gold, and platinum. And today I want to affirm your journey of your faith. The good work that he started in you, he is faithful to complete. Trust him. Will you bow your heads for the benediction today? And then we're going to have a, a member from the hospitality team come to tell us how potlucks work. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you.